Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Gross, on Twitter at agrossnewsday. And thank you uh, for tuning in and listening. And I sincerely hope that everyone is uh, doing as well as possible right now. Everyone is as healthy as possible. Everyone is uh, doing everything to remain as healthy as possible as we are into uh, uh, basically it's two weeks since the NHL put its season on pause and uh, things just change seemingly on a daily basis here. So uh, like I said, uh, thank you so much for uh, for tuning in and uh what we're going to do today is uh, a little bit later on, I uh, had a chat with Newsday teammate Jim Bomback uh, regarding what the uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic, uh, how that might or might not affect uh, what's going on with the Belmont Park ar- uh, arena that's being built for the Islanders. So we'll check in with Jim and uh, and uh, discuss that and other uh, sports business matters. And, uh, and then after that, we'll do a little bit of Andrew's answers to pass the time. But first, uh, you know, I, I wanted to start with, and obviously everything is centered around uh, this global pandemic, which has interrupted everything in life right now. I mean, it's not just sports, obviously. I mean, sports is really far, far, far down the list of things that have been impacted by this, but uh, certainly as it relates to, you know, uh, your life as an Islander fan or my life as an Islander reporter, certainly it's had an immediate impact here. But uh, the the NHL on uh, uh, on Monday uh, came out with kind of a frequently asked question format of basically what's going on right now, just an update from the league. And, you know, it starts out with the league still holding out hope that, you know, uh, the CDC recommended the 60-day period for limiting gatherings to 50 people or fewer. And obviously, even 50 people seems like way too many people together right now. If you look at what's going on in uh, in England, uh, Boris Johnson reducing it to no, no, no gathering bigger than two people. So, uh, you know, but anyway, so the CDC, recommends on March on March 15th that gatherings are limited to 50 people or fewer and it's a 60-day period and the hope going in there from the NHL was maybe at day 45 of that 60-day period you know in relation to NHL teams you're able to start getting the players trained up again on ice as you push towards restarting resuming the season you know but uh that that you know like i said the nhl is still hopeful of maintaining some form of timeline there even if that seems you know pretty wildly optimistic right now i guess the nhl has to keep things hopeful uh, try and be as optimistic as possible right now uh you want to keep your audience engaged um same time the NHL was releasing this FAQ uh, format, I was hearing that AHL teams, uh, the NHL's top minor league affiliate, AHL teams were being told the earliest, the earliest, they might be able to kind of come back and, and resume any kind of team activities would be May 1st. Um, you know, so that's that's six weeks. That would be the earliest for the AHL. And uh, I would think the NHL and the AHL, you know, with both their seasons paused, they're going to be in lockstep here. So I'm assuming that if the, the AHL teams are being told May 1st, that that's probably a more realistic, hopeful timeline for the NHL. And even there, that that, that does seem optimistic. Uh, six weeks, Um you know, if you listen to the experts, I, I, I'm not sure we're going to flatten this uh, coronavirus curve um, significantly enough by May 1st to get that going there. But the NHL at the same time, uh, as it was, you know, hopeful that they could resume 
within the 60-day period. Also said no decisions have been made regarding the regular season status, uh, meaning whether it will resume or you know how many games might be played. Uh, further, no decisions have been made on a potential playoff format, how many teams are getting in, whether the series would all be best of sevens. And also not decided yet is when or if all this resumes, all this hockey resumes, whether there's there are going to be fans in the stands to, to watch the games live. Uh, if there are games. So, you know, still a lot of question marks, uh, you know, and the NHL repeated its stance that even if the playoffs are are put on hold into July or August or even into September, uh, they do not want to impact playing an 82 game or, you know, 2021 season. You kind of have a back end, you know, deadline sort of then. Uh, If you're saying we're going to completely guarantee the integrity, the 82 games and the playoffs, the full four rounds of playoffs for next season, then you are really dealing with the deadline for getting everything done uh, for whatever they do this season. What is that deadline? Obviously, no one is saying yet. Um, As far as dates, uh, July 1st, obviously, always... Uh, you know, when free agents can start being signed, uh, the, the, the league said it will work you know, on any model of when free agency might be. That They'll do that in conjunction with the NHL Players Association, and obviously that's just smart business there being in a partnership with, you know, the group that's supposed to be the league's partners there. Um, that that's July first. If you're looking at June, a lot of stuff goes on in June. Uh, typically, uh, you know the co- scouting combine up in Buffalo, the awards show out in Las Vegas, and the uh, the NHL draft. Usually, you know the third weekend of uh, June, around the twenty twenty first, twenty second, typically each year. Um, and this season or this year, uh, the NHL draft slated to be up in Montreal and. You know, the NHL said no decisions have been made regarding, quote-unquote, the timing or format uh, of any of that. So, you know, a lot of unanswered questions, obviously, because, you know, as I said, it's not just sports. It's everything has a lot of unanswered questions. We're just going to have to ride this out as best we can and, uh, you know, not force the issue you know also going on in the NHL this week so the owners of the Sixers and the uh and the uh the Devils you know uh one day they're you know the report comes out they're cutting salaries and then the uh uh the next day basically facing a very negative PR backlash and some of their players on the Sixers started donating money to the employees the owners backed off that stance um but, you know, is this something you're going to see more of? I know, uh, I think the NHL um, is also cutting its employees' salaries um, by, by a significant chunk right here. And, and the explanation there is that they're doing this so they don't have to lay people off. Because obviously there, there are no revenues coming in. Um, you know, it's big business. It's small business, you know. Uh, I, I I could do a whole podcast on you know the financial hoops my wife who's a veterinarian is trying to jump through right now not to lay off her staff and uh, to keep her animal hospital basically running. Um, it, it's very scary for small businesses and and big businesses because everything is at a shutdown here. But you know anyway, so you know the Devils and the and the Sixers reverse course under. Uh, you know, some bad PR there, uh, reached out to the Islanders, you know, the person I talked to, to the best of, you know, their knowledge, the best of my knowledge as of right now, the Islanders have not cut anybody's salary. They have not reduced their staffing. Um, hopefully that can continue to be the case. Uh, the Islanders do have, I believe, maybe maybe a little bit of a smaller staff than some other NHL teams. Um, but, you know, uh, hoping for the best there, that they, they are able to, uh, 
maintain those salary levels and the, those employee levels because uh, you know as I say the, the 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 economy here is is going to become more and more and more of a story as it relates to sports as there is less and less and less sports to talk about you know actual sports although uh, you know hoping uh, soon to be able to uh, reconnect with some islander players and uh, see what we can do with that like i say it's it's the business of sports right now that that's kind of at the forefront and uh, that's why i reached out to uh, jim bomback of uh, newsday because that's essentially his job keeping abreast of uh, uh, sports business and and, and specifically What's going on with the Belmont Park Arena being built for the Islanders and how this all may uh, uh, impact or not impact that. So uh, this, is, uh, this is me and Jim Bombach talking about that and several other uh, uh, subjects. So uh, thank you very much and I uh, hope you enjoy this. And as I mentioned at the top, uh, happy to be joined by uh, my Newsday teammate Jim Bombach here, and we're going to talk a little uh, Belmont Arena construction here during this uh, NHL season pause and life put on hold by the uh, coronavirus outbreak. But uh, Jim, it's my understanding that uh, construction is still considered essential. So as of right now, construction is still ongoing on the Belmont Park Arena. Is that correct? That, that is correct. I actually, just before our call, I went out to that uh, Belmont webcam, and it's a nice uh, sunny day, and you, and you see workers all over the place. It feels like it gets bigger and larger by the, by the day. And, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, people can argue one way or the other whether, uh, whether that should be out there, whether it's essential, whether it's not. But uh, I think um, what I've found is that I've been, you know, kind of made a process uh, or a habit of looking at this every day just because every shoe was dropping you kind of uh, as a reporter you just plan for what's the next shoe to drop so I just anticipated okay at some point in time I'll be writing this story so that you know that construction had to stop because of this so I so I was checking it every day uh, for news purposes but now I, I, I will admit uh, as all of our lives have been upended there's some kind of calm that comes from clicking on this and seeing, you know, construction workers walking around and everything. It's 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 probably the only normalcy uh, or only semblance of what life was like just, you know, what two three weeks ago is still going on in that little uh, uh, 43 acre parcel of land. No, and, and I agree with you. We all have to kind of cling to whatever normalcy we can get right now, but. Uh, uh, from what you've seen, does it look like a, a full complement of workers, or do they have to, you know, kind of scale it down because, you know, groups of 50 or more are not allowed, or or does it just look like business as usual out there? You know what, I, I will say my, my disclaimer is that, I mean, obviously I've looked at the uh, webcam through the last, uh, I, I guess, uh, since September, since August when work started, and uh, but not not religiously, but I've worked at, looked at it enough, and um, it doesn't look any less in terms of uh, the number of workers out there. If anything, you look at it and you're like, that's it, that's all the workers that are, that are out there. But I remember thinking that in September, October, November, and December, and yet there this structure is still getting built uh, little by little, but you know, uh, pretty um, pretty studiously. So. Um, I, I've I've asked around, and and basically the answer I keep getting is that it, it is business as usual. And it, and if you look, you know, and I admit I've looked, they're not standing next to each other, and there's not 50 <laughs> people right there. And, and and it's also a big, you know, it's an arena. It's a it's a large swath of land. So, um, you know, when when I've asked questions about it, um, you know, people are always concerned about the shoe dropping. They're not concerned about the status quo. So. Um, as of today, as of this moment, as of us talking, you know, it, it's uh, as on schedule as, as it's ever been, uh, unless they're, uh, you know, telling us something, unless they're not telling us the truth, and I have no reason to believe that. Uh, well, let me ask you, you know, because you're, you're, you're heavily involved with the business side here, uh, just what is your sense? I, I mean, I, I know no one can predict it. It's almost like every day we wake up, there's something new to process here. But do you have a sense of, you know, where this is going, whether, you know, construction will be ongoing 
for for a while or throughout this, or whether they will have to slow down, or is, is can there be any sense at this point? Well, I mean, yes, you're right. That I mean, it's it's really hard to predict what life's going to bring uh, as we all sit inside our homes and uh, and look at uh, emptiness, which is a good thing. Obviously, <laughs> we we should be seeing emptiness outside because if people are out, there's there's uh, this could be worse. Um, but that being said, uh, yes, it's hard to predict. But what I was told is that um, this would be a lot more troublesome if this was a year from now, if this was next March, because if this was next March, they'd be, you know, this thing would be covered up, they'd be inside, they'd be doing types of work like that, and uh, and then they'd have to be more concerned. I mean, obviously, outside, inside, it's still the 50-person uh, limit. It's still, you know, not, not being in large groups, uh, not being together. But when you are doing uh, internal, say, electric work or something like that, uh, you are going to be in, in, in greater proximity to everybody else. So in that sense, it, it, it's a positive. I mean, this obviously took them by surprise as much as it took us by surprise. I mean, uh, I was, um, I, I'm trying to think back to the exact date. Um, it was a couple Wednesdays ago, maybe, maybe Feb and last Feb Wednesday in February. I remember it was a Wednesday because I remember I was driving my daughters to um, uh, swim lessons that night uh, when Tim Lywicki uh, called me. And he, he basically he was talking about how he was coming into town in the next couple of weeks, and they were having meetings, and we were going to meet up to to talk about, you know, uh, just the future of this. So, like, as late as uh, uh, late February, which obviously right before this blew up, they were they were talking about, you know, uh, ramping up everything uh, publicly. So, th so what does it mean? It means that obviously that end of it and things gets pushed back, but. Um, but that's that's uh, kind of materialistic at this point. Uh, as, as long as the construction end of things continues, and obviously as of uh, March 24th, that's still the case. I, I think um, there's nothing on the Islander arena side to be concerned about. So Lou Lamarillo uh, engaged in a, uh, a question and answer via Twitter, uh, you know, conducted by the uh, the Islanders, obviously, and posted on their team website. And he was asked about the. Uh, you know, the progress at the Belmont Park Arena. And now, you know, all along, you know, uh, John Ledecky, every time you talk to him, you know, hey, we're ahead of schedule, you know, or, you know, and and the projected open date was October 21, you know, for that season, right? And And John's been very adamant that things are ahead of schedule and everything's been progressing beautifully. So during this Q&A, uh, Lamarillo expressed confidence in the current timetable, and the quote was, I have all indications that the Belmont Park Arena is on schedule and will be ready for the 21-22 season. Now, you know, obviously he's saying it's on schedule, but I was wondering if, if you're hearing the same thing I'm hearing in that, uh, just a subtle little change saying it will be ready for the 21-22 season, not it will be ready in October 21, or whether I'm just going stir-crazy in the house and reading into too many things. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's our job, the parse words, right? And I, and I do like how you referenced that it was conducted by the Islanders because I'd love the image of Lou Lamarillo just spouting off uh, tweets left and right without a, you know, <laughs> um, unfiltered, you know, like like some people we, uh, we know do. Um, the, in terms of the timeline, um, you know, the one thing to remember is that they started, uh, basically as late as they could to get it done by October. Uh, there's just, they, yes, they, they are on schedule. Uh, they did as much work as they possibly could ahead of schedule, but every, the whole timeline just kept getting pushed back, pushed back, pushed right. back. And now, uh, when they started work, you know, basically they were on target to finish by October of 2021, and and they there was very little wiggle room. Uh, you know, it's they, just uh, it, it takes uh, something like 20, um, 26 months or 24 months. I forget the exact. Uh, I think it was 26, and they they started in August, so that would line them up right to uh, October. So obviously they have very little wiggle room. You know, uh, I've heard nothing that says that they're going to be late. Obviously this throws a, a wrinkle into it. But the, the thing I always think about is that, what was that Ranger season a couple of years back? when they? Oh, they started with nine games on the road because, yeah, yeah the final phase of reconstruction at the Garden. Yeah, they. I, I think that was Elaine Vigneault's first season. Uh, they, yeah. they went to Europe. They went to Western Canada. I think it was nine games on the road to start. 
Yeah, and my point is is that there's ways around it if it comes to that. I mean, they are, you know, this is a major construction crew. This is a major project. This is a 1.3 billion. I've driven by there, not recently, because obviously I'm not leaving my house, but maybe it was two weeks ago, three weeks ago I drove by there, and I, I took note of that there's no work being done anywhere else except for the arena. All huh. efforts are, are on the arena. Um, there's still cars on the other side of the street. I actually made a point, uh, obviously, with life upending. I, I never followed up on it. I wanted to see what the timeline on the other stuff was, if that meant that they were putting all efforts on this or if this, this is just a normal project. But the bottom line is is that all efforts are going on that arena. Uh, they, they can't... Um, the success of it, it doesn't, you know, listen, if it opens up in November as opposed to October, it's not, you know, we barely remember the uh, the Rangers season where they started on the road. But the point is that uh, that's that's what they're working towards. And and my, my point in bringing that up is that in the event it, it is slightly late, there's ways around it. Um, you know, I, I don't think, I've not heard any inclination that they're uh, potentially uh, late even nine games late, let alone, you know, months. And, and obviously, if, uh, I think the other thing to, to remember is that, uh, you know, let's say, um, let's say some, um, something happens, and, you know, you know, they do have this Coliseum sitting right here, and no one wants that. Uh, no one wants to bring that up. I mean, you know, if I was an Islander employee, I'd be, uh, you know, they'd be uh, locking me up to a chair for, for speaking out loud <laughs> about it. But, I mean, that, that, there, is a, there is a plan, in, you know, not a plan, but there is a, a scenario that would exist that even if it was significantly. Anyway, my long-winded way of answering your question is, is that I have not heard that, and I think that, um, you know, I, I think, it's October 2021. That's the substantial completion date. They have very little uh, wiggle room on that. And then if it falls behind that, there's ways to uh, deal. And, and obviously they, they received a huge boost by, you know, just it being such a mild winter. I, I think that's how, you know, John keep, uh, John Ledecky keeps talking about being ahead of schedule. They, they, they had no construction slowdowns through the whole winter. And, and I think some of those construction slowdowns are – you know, sometimes factored in just because you figure there are going to be a few, you know, days you can't get anything done uh, yeah. because of weather. And they just really never had that. And weather won't be an impact on them next year because it'll be inside. This was the winter uh, where they'll be outside. They, you know, and, and they did, and whenever I would ask them that beforehand, they would always say, well, you know, uh, we know how to build in the winter. You know, they built City Field and Yankee Stadium. Obviously, this group built City Field. And, uh, they did it on time. They did it in the same, you know, 26 to 30-month uh, window. Um, you know, so there is every reason to believe they're going to deliver it on time. I, I think it's something out of control, out of their control, and that would be obviously a pandemic shutting down work, which who could have predicted that? But at this point, um, you'd like to think uh, for life purposes, not just the Islander purposes, that we're at the most restrictive state and nothing else is going to happen to shut down anything further. Right. Is there any way to gauge any potential financial impact uh, like it cost in the, you know, the projected cost of the arena? Is this pandemic financially going to impact, you know, their budget in any ways? Yeah, the financial ramifications of this, uh, I mean, I guess that's a twofold question. Uh, one, on the construction of it, obviously uh, they have uh, loans out there. Uh, I think the bank loans are something like uh, $600 to $700 million. I forget it's in the, uh, uh, the ESD paperwork that's public. Uh, you know, obviously they're paying an interest rate on that. Obviously it's to their benefit to get it done as, as quickly as possible. There's no reason to believe that even though the market's going bonkers, that, uh, you know, that's, uh, someone like Scott Malkin, you know, lined up with Lightwicky and lined up with uh, with the Wilpons are, are not going to have the financial wherewithal to weather this as they go through it. It, it makes financial sense for them to finish this. They, yeah, every day that they don't is more on that in, interest on those loans. That being said, the, the true um, concern, I would say, is the long-term effect of what is the future of live events, uh, short-term and long-term. I mean, all you need to do is look at the uh, stocks of the um, – the live events companies, look at Live Nation, obviously pick them out of the, out of the blue. I don't want to pick on them. I don't want to pick on them. Their stock is, is down an incredibly amount. And, that, and part of that's because, you know, how quickly will people run back into a setting where you're you know, inside with 18,000 people uh, shoulder to shoulder, and how, how quickly are we going to be comfortable with that? Uh, obviously not right away. 
but does it come back where, say, by October 2021, we don't have a second thought about that? Or is this going to be a reset in, in our time and, and basically change the way we consume entertainment? Does it change uh, the, the market of live entertainment? Live entertainment for, for millennials, which is obviously what all these companies are after, was, what it was, was, was where it was at. I mean, they, they really felt like it was an experience. They, they always talk about the experiential uh, you know, entertainment, and that's what this project is. Does this change this? Does the pandemic uh, change our, our behavior? And, and obviously it's something that I'm sure we'll be doing stories on uh, for years to come because we really won't know. And um, so the long, an- the long, long, long answer, which I'm <laughs> good at, is we don't know, and that, and that has to be a concern, and not only in their offices, but every uh, arena company uh, um, and, and Live Nation-like uh, company out there. Yeah, no, and uh, and I guess an even broader point, I was going back to the, the first time you were on the podcast, we were discussing whether, you know, Nassau or Long Island could support two arenas, meaning when Belmont Park Arena opened, what, was the impact on Nassau Coliseum because the plan moving forward is to, to keep both as viable options. And obviously they would attract different size events, the Coliseum being much, much smaller, but the plan going forward was always to have the Coliseum uh, still operational and hosting, you know, whatever concerts or rodeos or, or whatever it brings in. Meanwhile, the Islanders and some of the bigger events go to Belmont Park. And I guess, is there any way to gauge or, you know, predict the impact now on Nassau Coliseum? Because, you know, you you talk about, you know, and I I agree. I I think people are going to be scarred by this for a long time. And and you're not going to be as willing to, to cram yourself next to Joe you don't know. So I'm just wondering, you know, from Belmont Park, you know, obviously they're going to finish construction. That's where the Islanders are going to play. Does this, is this a twist in the Coliseum's future? Yeah. I mean, these are all questions that are are incredibly legitimate because their, their future was definitely um, uh, jeopardized by this, uh, by Belmont. And, you know, and and the shiny new toy is always the most popular one. So, uh, so Belmont has that going for them. Um, I mean, I think we got to look at New York City. Uh, why is New York City the epicenter of, of the pandemic right now? It's because, um, you know, there's so many density of people. Well, that was also the argument on why, hey, we can throw another arena here because there's so many people here. Well, now, when does that start working against it? You know, that's obviously working against them in the pandemic. Does it work against them in the uh, the after effect? Is now suddenly, you know, the one thing that the, the Belmont people like to uh, – tout is that this will be the last new arena built on new land in New York City. And we always, you know, would joke that, well, you know, there's already way too many, you know, I mean, that's just, uh, there's a lot of arenas in this metropolitan area, you know, by the same token, you know, me and Long Island is never going to go to the Prudential Center, even though it's as close to me as many arenas in, in, in rural uh, or, or other cities. My point is that um, there's a lot of arenas here, and now, that was going to be a concern for all of them. They said not; it was not because of the uh, density. But now, does this density work against them? And who is the, uh, you know, who's the odd man out? Who, who's the uh, the odd arenas out? Is it the Coliseum? Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe the small size works for them. Maybe suddenly small size uh, concerts are in. Um, you know, by the same token, you know, if you're if you're you know, jammed together with 13,000 people. What's the difference between 13,000 in a small arena versus 18,000 yeah. in a big arena? I mean, these are all questions that are, are – I mean, we're going to be talking about this for, I think, the next three to five years. And then just to tie a bow on it, the uh, that proposal in Suffolk County never went anywhere, and, and that's not going to be added to the mix, right? Well, that's a that's a good question. I mean, these are all questions that um, you know. Obviously, I'm not uh, asking today uh, of people, but like April was the month that they were supposed to submit their final, uh, not final, but their more. Basically, they went through this like uh, year long, 18 month long uh, process where they were trying to figure out what what was needed. Like they they presented their plans. They said this is our concept, 
and then uh, obviously some people would uh, criticize the arena, some people would criticize it. Then they came back and said, okay, we're going to do more fields, we're going to make it more research, but we're still going to have an outdoor stadium and we're still going to have an indoor um, minor league hockey stadium. And it was basically still very much pie in the sky. Then they were going to go through this whole big process, and then April, next month, they were supposed to come back to the county with their, basically, this is the plan we want to do. So I had the date uh, circled on my calendar. Obviously, that's not happening. Uh, what does this mean for that? Obviously, it's not a good sign. Um, you know, it is still uh, 40 miles away from the Coliseum. It is still uh, a hub in Suffolk County for people that would not like to go to, uh, you know, would not enjoy the commute to get to the Coliseum, let alone Belmont or Barclays. Is there uh, a need for something there? There's a need for something, but what is it, and what are they going to do, and how is that affected by this? That is definitely uh, impacted by what's going on right now. And, and I mean, obviously we're not going to get the plans uh, next month, given that thing going on. When, when are we going to get it? I think that's anyone's guess. Well, all very interesting and in, uh you know, all very relevant in in these times as we, uh, like I say, try and navigate day by day. Jim, listen, I really want to uh, thank you for uh, taking some time. I know you're being pulled in a lot of different directions. There's a lot to uh, cover and report right now. So I really appreciate you taking a few minutes uh, uh, to chat with me about this. And, uh, you know, all the best to you, your wife, and uh, your kids. Thank you. Stay, stay healthy. Stay inside. Wash those hands, and uh, you know, be socially distant. You know, I, ne- I never thought my my social distance that I keep from people was going to finally be in vogue, and now it is. So. <laughs> All right. Well, Jim, I will uh, catch up to you when uh, I guess I catch up to you. But uh, like I said, be well, and and thanks again. Sounds sounds good. Thanks for having me. And thanks again to Newsday teammate Jim Bombach. Always great talking to Jim uh, as he sort of jokes or has joked. He's the sports writer who basically doesn't cover sports. He he does sports business and uh, all the uh, off-the-field issues that uh, Newsday needs to get covered. So always good to get Jim's uh, perspective on the business side of things. And uh, like I said, wish him and his wife and his kids all the best as we ride this thing out and uh as we continue to ride this thing out uh the next thing to to get you through it would be a bunch of andrew's answers it's time for your questions with andrew's answers so just uh looking through my twitter feed here we'll uh Start off with In Trots We Trust, who says, Can someone please ask John Ledecky when a new president of business operations will be hired? Since Williams left way back in October, uh, the ticket pl- rollout was awful last season, and this position is vital. And yeah, and it's, uh, you know, it, it's kind of been radio silence uh, since he went back to Pittsburgh as to who is handling that side of things. And uh, again, you know, he was, it was designed to kind of him work on the, uh, the arena type stuff and Lou take care of hockey operations. And, uh, you know, Lou certainly is a guy who likes having his hand in everything, uh, you know, kind of one voice for the organization type of thing. Um, I have not spoken to John uh, as to where he is with this and, uh, you know, what kind of progress he's made. Um, not exactly sure in this pause we have on life uh, where this is in the the list of priorities but you know big picture it is, it is a priority to get the uh, the business operations uh uh in order there and I, i've certainly heard from a you know a couple of season ticket holders you know you talk about the uh the, the ticket rollout being awful last season i know there are some upset islander season ticket holders over the uh uh the price hikes that were announced for Nassau Coliseum, where they'll, where they'll play a full season next season. Uh, I think one guy uh, told me that it was uh, his tickets were going up an average of 28%, which is a, a very significant hike. Now, obviously, that was all before uh, the coronavirus uh, pandemic. So, you know, what kind of financial impact you know, on season ticket prices, this all has remains to be seen, of course. So, you know, I I think that might be on hold as well. But nothing new, unfortunately, uh, for my end that I can report to you there. 
Frank says, has Lou Lamarillo spoken to Andy Green about an extension? And obviously, I've not been able to talk to Andy since, uh, you know, uh, what is it now? Uh, I guess March March 11th was the last day we saw the players. And uh, I actually did not see Andy that day. That was a practice in Calgary. So uh, the point being, it's been a, a little bit since I've spoken to uh, Andy. And, uh, you know, the last I had heard, uh, it, that had not been broached really. I, I think... Uh, you know, my understanding was Andy and the Islanders kind of wanted to get through this season first, and then that would be more of an off-season deal. And, of course, you can say, well, is this the off-season right now, and uh, isn't this the best time to talk? I, I never really got a chance to talk to Andy about his long-term plans. You know, uh, he had obviously been with the Devils for so long, and this was a real uprooting and change in his life, even if, you know, he was still able to live at home and, and kind of commute to Long Island, uh, playing for a different organization, even with the familiarity as with Lou Lamarillo, uh, was an uprooting for Andy, uh, you know. At 37, I'm not sure how much longer he he really you know was planning on playing. Whether he's planning on playing past this contract or not, um, to to the best of my knowledge, you know they had not gotten to the point where they were thinking past this season, and that goes for either side. Um, Dan McCarthy says, "Have you heard any discussion of playoff rounds being shorter if they do restart the season?" Uh, in the playoffs, seems a simple semi-solution to the season running too late and achieving Bettman's goal of a normal 2021 season. And, uh, you know, I believe in last week's podcast, Colin and I, while we were discussing different scenarios, I floated the idea of maybe everyone gets into this playoff bracket and uh, maybe the first rounds are an aggregate, you know, two-game series, you know, uh, amongst, you know, select teams. Obviously, not everyone. Um, you know, you, you would probably have some uh, buys there in uh, 31 teams, maybe, uh, you know. Uh, but the, the, the point being, I have not heard any concrete talk of uh, shorter playoff rounds as of yet, I think the longer this goes, that will need to be uh, considered. But Gary Bettman, in, in addition to saying he does not, you know, the, the option of shortening or compacting 2021, you know, he wants to play 82 games next season with a full playoff. So uh, you do back into a, a wall there as to when you have to you know, start next season. So, uh, you know, the longer this goes, I imagine that becomes more and more of an option. Although Gary Bettman put out this idea that he wants to preserve the quote unquote integrity of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Now, does that mean that every round has to be a best of seven? You know, uh, the NHL went, you know, it did have years where there were, you know, best of fives, best of threes, um, and, and again, you know, for me, uh, at this point, I, I think you want to guarantee every team, if they are able to resume playing, I think you want to guarantee every owner or every team has at least a couple of more games to, to make some money here. So if you go right into the playoffs, I would think, you know, maybe opening it up as a full bracket and just assuring some teams uh, that they do have at least a, a handful of uh, first-round playoff games and then give, you know, you balance it off with a bunch of first-round buys and then even it off and, and play the playoffs from there on in. Um, but as of right now, the NHL, not really, you know, if they are having those internal discussions, which I'm sure they are, they're not really leaking any details past uh, the this idea that, yeah, they could be playing July, August, and, and possibly into September. So let's see, uh, Benjamin Deere says, um, any guess as to if any more regular seasons will be played or will the NHL simply use winning percentage to determine playoff seeding. And again, uh, you know, whatever is being discussed internally, uh, the NHL came out with that kind of uh, FAQ uh, with, you know, some some questions about what might happen. And they said they had not, you know, come to any conclusions on a, uh, a playoff format 
or what the regular rest of the regular season would look like, or, or you know, to be honest, even if there would be fans in the stands when these games restart if they do and you know basically the NHL tried to put out a hopeful note that at the end of this 60 day you know kind of uh, quarantine CDC you know slow down um, that the NHL is hoping within those 60 days hopefully at the 45 day mark to kind of resume some kind of training uh, for teams but, you know, uh, that all seems very, very optimistic, uh, that, that 60 day period right now. So, uh, really, uh, there, there, there's no real uh, guidance or, or, or clues right now as to what this is all going to look like if the NHL is able to conclude this season and not go straight to, uh, next season. And I know it's certainly important to the Islanders because, uh, you know, point percentage, you would think that they get in just based on points they don't so uh you know their their playoff uh their playoff uh future here kind of lays in the balance of what the NHL does decide um let's see uh Brian G said my whole company of 450 people got laid off last week and, and I'm really really uh, I can't even express how sorry I am to hear that I I know that you know a, a lot of us are are dealing with with things like that, whether it's for us or relatives or family or friends or anything like that. But 450 people getting laid off is is just you know that's just awful. Um, I work in the sports yearbook industry. Hope the NHL returns in June or July to finish the season. What is your opinion? And, you know, I certainly don't want to throw cold water on you now as I know your, you know, your livelihood uh, kind of relies on the fact that this all gets started uh, again. Uh, you know, I, I got to be honest with you, I'm a little less optimistic this week than I was last week and we'll see where we are next week uh, you know as I said to Jim and you know he said to me it's like every day you wake up there's kind of uh, you know new factors being thrown at you so it, it, it's just so hard to project ahead at this point it, it, this first week uh, week and a half the, the curve is not flattened yet and until we can start flattening that curve I, I think you know everything is off the table unfortunately but Brian listen uh, all the best to you and your family and 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 I hope things uh, certainly work out for the best David Alderson says you can only have one of these players on your team who do you choose Mike Bossy, Brian Trottier, or Dennis Potvin? And, and boy, that's, <laughs> that's a, an interesting question there. So what do, what do you go? You know, one of the uh, all-time great centers in the league, one of the all-time great defensemen, um, or one of the all-time great goal scorers? You know, uh, <laughs> you know my philosophy would be, and, 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 you know, I'll do this by a process of elimination, um, uh, unfortunately, Mike Bossy would probably be the first guy I eliminate from that group if I only had to take one. And that's because I, I just find that, you know, defensemen are at such a premium. And, you know, to find a guy with the skills like Dennis Potvin, that's almost a once-in-a-lifetime type thing for an organization, right? And And almost sort of the same thing for Brian Trottier. In terms of the uh, his abilities as a as a top line center, and certainly being able to play with Mike Bossy and Clark Gillies, and uh, you know, but if I if I had to, and you are certainly asking me to pick one of those three, I just think defensemen uh, of that ilk are the rarest lot, and uh, you know, if I had to pick one of those three, I'm probably picking Denny. You know, not liking the fact that I can't have a Mike Bossy or a Brian Trottier, but I, I don't want to give up what Denny Potvin brought. Uh, but that is, of course, just my opinion. Uh, Ignatius this Thistle White. Oh, why, why are you doing this to me? Ignatius Thistle White asks me, who is the actual majority owner of the Islanders. Gary Bettman and Lou Lamarillo seem to mention only Scott Malkin. Governor Cuomo mentioned only John Ledecky a few weeks ago. If they own equally, 
Why is it that few take pains to mention them together at major events? And uh, no, uh, Scott Malkin is is the majority owner there. Um, you know, he is pa- in partnership, though, with John Ledecky. I believe Scott Malkin has more money invested, uh, is the way that works. And, uh, you know, um, but on the other hand, I, I mean, Scott Malkin, if he does have more money invested, he does not want to be you know, kind of the, the the franchise face in terms of ownership. That is certainly John Ledecky's role. And, and John is wonderfully brilliant at it because he, uh, you know, he, he meets and greets with the, with the best of them, a very friendly guy and, you know, a, a very genuine guy. Um, so, you know, that, that, that's John Ledecky's role. And he's certainly an owner. And, and yeah, I, I've noticed the same thing that, you know, uh, Lou, mentions only Mr. Malkin and, and Gary Bettman seems to only mention Malkin. Um, but, and that's probably because that's mostly, you know, maybe who they're dealing with. Whereas governor Cuomo, you know, is probably dealing more with John Ledecky, um, you know, in, in terms of, uh, at, at those public events. So, uh, that might be, uh, where that kind of divide is, but both are, you know, both are listed as co-owners and both do have ownership stakes in the, uh, in the franchise. Um, let's see. All-Star Barzell says, have you been able to speak to anyone from the team since the season was suspended? Uh, thanks for continuing the podcast as it helps, keeps me sane through all of this. And he's got a picture of Steve Carell, uh, from the office bowing with the, uh, you know, the gif of thank you. And uh, I appreciate that. And I appreciate Steve Carell, who keeps all of us sane with his insanity. Um, we had the uh, the conference call with Lou Lamarillo. And as I mentioned, unfortunately, uh, you know, I was unable to jump on that uh, as I was at uh, JFK Airport picking up my daughter as she managed to get a flight back into the country from France uh, sort of last minute. So, uh, you know, I had family priorities at that moment. Um, So technically, uh, no. I mean, you know, obviously there are email exchanges uh, with with the PR staff and, uh, you know, I I have submitted some questions. But uh, Lou Lamarillo so far... Uh, that was the one chance we had to uh, to be able to speak live to a person in the organization. The understanding um, is that that is going to change. And obviously the Islanders have been putting out, it's seemingly a video each day from a player, you know, just to connect with the fans. And also uh, Lou did a, a Q&A with the fans via Twitter that the, uh, the team posted. Um, but the understanding uh, from the media side is that the NHL, uh, now as we settle into this kind of new reality, the NHL does not want to be gone and forgotten and will start making uh, some forms of player interviews available. Uh, I don't have a timeline on that, but um, it is expected to be sooner or later, just because, like I said, from a marketing standpoint, the uh, the NHL wants to remain uh, relevant and, you know, uh, you know, out of sight, out of mind, uh, you know, something like that. And the NHL certainly does not want to get there. So I'm, I'm hoping, I'm expecting to have uh, the ability to talk to uh, those in the organization a little more frequently uh, in, in the very near future. And uh, we'll finish with Bam Bam, who says, are there any NCAA free agents left that you believe the Islanders may try to sign for depth? Injuries seem to have helped uh, crush Bridgeport this season. And uh, yeah, you know, it has been quiet on that front uh, regarding the Islanders. I, I went back and I looked uh, over the, uh, the the development camp roster from last summer. And obviously, you know, that's kind of, you know, maybe a little bit of a template of who the Islanders are looking for. They had brought in Bobo Carpenter before he got signed. Uh, I believe Eric Brown uh, also, uh, I believe, through that. But, uh, you know, I was just going through the roster. And, uh, you know, one guy I remember liking and, uh, you know, without uh, going back and really looking at my notes. But one guy I remember thinking, you know, this is kind of a, a neat little player. Uh, who can uh, kind of operate in small spaces and uh, see the ice pretty well was uh, 
Penn State's Liam Folks, and uh, you know he's completed four years there. He, you know, like a Mason Yopst, he he would be a, a an older player. I believe he's twenty four. Um, he's a he's a smaller player. I think he's five eight, like one eighty, one seventy five, somewhere around there. So maybe not your prototypical uh, NHL body, but I I do remember you know in my mental notebook thinking, you know, Liam Folks uh, was doing some nice things during development camp. And maybe, you know, maybe he's a guy if they need some uh, center depth. And, uh, you know, uh, you can always use center depth. Uh, maybe he's a guy they they could look at. And, uh, you know, amongst the other uh, free agents out there, a guy that might intrigue me because I'm one of those guys who thinks you can... You know, never have enough center depth, can never have enough defense depth, and certainly never have enough goalie depth. To the best of my knowledge, uh, Zacharias Skog, uh, the Swedish goalie who played four seasons at American International College. I don't believe he signed anywhere yet. Uh, that, that was my uh, brief research into that. And uh, he seems to be the, uh, the the top free agent goalie out there. And uh you know what? I I certainly think you know, you don't you're not a hundred percent sure you're bringing in an Ilya Sorokin. You you know you you saw Lou Lamorello say this week it's it's their understanding or you know they have every you know hope that Sorokin will be in the organization for next season. But uh, you know I I just don't think he can have enough goalie depth and uh, you know Zachariah Skog might be a guy that I would take a look at again uh, an older guy uh, 24 um, played and actually he would be 25 uh, for the start of next season um, so you know and and four seasons of American International College uh, you know uh, his numbers this year he went 10 8 and 1 with the uh, Let's see, uh, a one eight three, I believe, goals against average, and a nine two six save percentage. So some pretty decent numbers for him. Uh, you know, uh, like I said, I, I always think you can't get in enough quality goaltending. So maybe uh, I, if I'm Lou Lamarillo, maybe he's a guy I'm I'm looking at. But. Uh, uh, that would be it as far as uh, questions or comments this week. I, I thank you all for for listening uh, through these uh, challenging times, and uh, and I thank you all for uh, listening through the season. And uh, I also uh, wish all of you the very very best to you, your family, your loved ones uh, as we. Uh, try and flatten the curve and practice good social distancing and uh, continue washing our hands as uh, frequently as possible. But uh, all the best with that. I am your host, Andrew Gross. Uh, if you want, please look me up on Twitter at A Gross Newsday. Uh, you can find everything on the Newsday website, newsday.com backslash sports. We are still publishing. We are still producing content. We are still producing multimedia content. And if you're looking for back episodes of the Island Ice podcast, if you're new to this, it's all up on the website and it's also available Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever, SoundCloud, wherever fine podcasts can be found. And uh, like I said, everyone, please stay healthy. Be well. We will all get through this together. And I look forward to chatting with you again. Take care.